Welcome everyone to the Niner Guys. It's been quite a last 24 hours for the NFL and NFL fans, specifically in Buffalo and Cincinnati. As we record this episode, DeMar Hamlin, the Buffalo safety who suffered a heart attack in the first quarter of the Monday night game is currently sedated and listed in critical condition at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. Uh, my thoughts and prayers are with DeMar and his family, as well as his teammates and those who know him. Uh, Internally, I questioned if and when was the right time to do a podcast. What happened to DeMar makes the game of football seem very small right now. However, for me, the question was, what can I do for someone else? Uh, I can't provide the medical care needed. I can't comfort those around him. I can't make the bolder-sized decisions that the NFL teams and players will be wrestling with in the coming days. Uh, what I can do is provide an escape, an opportunity, even for an hour, to relieve some of the heavy burden someone might be feeling and provide them a little bit of levity. So that's what Jerry and I will try and do. Uh, in addition, if you've read or watched any of the coverage of DeMar, you've probably been aware of the GoFundMe charity that DeMar started to provide toys and gifts to kids in the Pittsburgh and Buffalo area. Uh, the second year player had the modest goal of $2,500. As of this recording, it's eclipsed $5 million dollars. So bringing that up was also important to me. You'll find a link to Damar's charity in the description of this podcast. Uh, with that said, albeit with a possible more somber mood, Jerry and I will bring you the latest episode of the Niner Guys, complete with a review of the 49ers overtime win in Vegas, a whip around of the NFL weekend, our always entertaining lock of the week, and of course, our final thoughts. So here we go. I'm George Kittle, and you're listening to The Niner Guys. So here we go, making the uneasy transition into the world of football. Uh, if it was a regular week, I'd be saying the New Year's Eve party might have lasted a little bit longer for the Niners than we thought. I don't know if everyone got to bed before the 10 o'clock curfew. As it looked a little sluggish against the Raiders starting off, but... Um, if it ends well, all's well is a saying I've, you know, kind of heard because the overtime victory just puts another win in the column, but Jerry go back to, I don't know, maybe the day before leading up. I know you were saying it's a trap. This is a trap game. Um, so what were your thoughts on the Niners going to the Raiders? Cause I'll tell you, I was with you. I, I had been nervous about this game. Since I since I saw the schedule, and then as I saw the season unfold with the Raiders descending and the Niners ascending, and I just know how these two teams. But I'm like, yeah, this is going to be the Raiders Super Bowl and Raider fans Super Bowl. So, what were your thoughts going into the the game against the Silver and Black? Trap game indeed, right? Because <laughs> the Raiders had underperformed all season. Their franchise quarterback. Derek Carr just got benched, and his replacement, Jarrett Stidham, had a QBR last year of, well, can you guess what it was? Uh, I'm guessing zero. Was it zero? <laughs> okay, not that horrendous, oh. but close. Well, I, I wasn't so, even thinking horrendous. I was thinking he never he never played, never got on the field. Well, he did. He played oh. in five games. Okay. And in those five games, he had 44 pass attempts. And his QBR was 12. So not far from your zero. 
because 12, I believe a QBR is out of 100, is still pretty horrific. 12 is not good. <laughs> 12 is not so, good. So, so it's not surprising that the defense would have a letdown, um, you know, especially with the team being in Vegas on New Year's Eve. And kind of as you alluded to, I can imagine them being – you know, tempted to enjoy themselves maybe a little too much the night before, um, you know, because even Nick Bosa admitted to underestimating Stidham. So it was definitely a clunker for the defense, which we almost never say yep. about the defense. But the positive is that it did give Brock Purdy an opportunity to check another box, which was being able to come from behind and win in a shootout. And as usual, he passed the test, despite a few bumps in the road. Look at, look at you finding the silver lining. Look at you. I'm always you, looking at the you must have you, know you must have had a great New Year's resolution <laughs> to find silver linings. Oh, see? I love it. The new and improved Jerry. Hey, man, look. Maybe it's because Brock Purdy, I've turned over a new leaf. Everything's just rosy these days. Which, again, at, in terms of this game, wasn't necessarily the case because at times – he didn't seem to be on the same page with some of his receivers or he simply missed them being open. But ultimately, Purdy made the plays that had to be made and win the game. I mean, I love the touchdown he threw over the defense to George Kittle in the back of the end zone. Mm -hmm. Loved his chemistry with Brandon Ayuk, who made clutch catch after clutch catch, mm -hmm. um, scoring another touchdown and I believe it was only – 44 yards away from a thousand for the season, which is yep. a nice accomplishment. Yep. Uh, but as much credit as we do give to young Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey has turned out to be that do it all weapon that fuels this offense. So I'm glad that him racking up almost 200 all purpose yards didn't go to waste because the defense did, you know, make that critical turnover in overtime to get out of Vegas with the victory and extend the Niners' winning streak to nine games. Uh, it, it, you mentioned a lot of the things that also crossed my mind as I was watching it. Um, because for so many weeks now, in fact, through the whole season, in fact, before the season, now that we talked about, well, this defense is going to need to carry this team. Even when, when we thought it was Trey Lance, when we knew it was Jimmy Garoppolo, especially when Purdy came in, this defense is – it was nice to see the offense pick up the defense once, you know, like the defense didn't, isn't going to play a perfect season. And if this is their clunker, it was nice to see the offense say Bosa Warner who fun. Hey, we got you this time. We know you guys are having a tough day. Let we're going to go put up, you know, 37 points on the board and that, that will help us. So that was nice. Um, watching the game early on offensively, I thought Purdy looked like um, he looked like a rookie in a Shanahan offense. He was going with a lot of dump off passes, a lot of short passes. Uh, he wasn't coming out throwing that deep cross like we'd seen in every other game. Like we talked about a couple games ago, boy, Brock comes out and just starts throwing the ball, slinging it around, calling you know audible and out of runs to passes. Um, but it looked like he had toned it down and it was going with this more slower, shorter pass game. Um, likewise, on the defense, I didn't see any blitzing, any stunting, nothing exotic, nothing going on in the first half of that game. It looked as if 
they got they were getting into playoff mode. Hey, we're not we don't want to show anything. We don't want to put anything new on tape. We're playing Jared Stidham. It's his first start. Our defense should be able to beat him as if it was a preseason game with our vanilla defense. Our front four should be able to put some pressure. Our DBs should be able to do. And to Stidham's credit and the Raiders' credit, they came out as if it, this was an important game for them. And as much as we talked about, oh, they got the ah, 1% chance to you know go to the playoffs, they were playing it as if, hey, we're gonna we're gonna do what we can to improve those odds, and they marched right down on the opening kickoff for a touchdown. Stidham put up, I, I don't know what his you know category of statistics were, but it was kind of like the most yards by a first time starter in Raiders history, uh, most yards and three touchdown first time, all this kind of stuff. So I mean, props to Stidham. I don't know if it's sustainable, but I didn't think or I don't know if Brock Purdy was sustainable uh, when he first came in. So I haven't I haven't talked to any Raider fans. I don't know if they're they're pulling a Jerry Sue and hanging on to that silver lining of guess what? We got our quarterback. We don't we don't need to go do anything crazy. Jared Stidham it is with, with Josh McDaniels uh, offense. So those, those couple things really stood out to me. Um but Purdy versus Stidham, it's pretty much what everyone expected when the schedule came out. And, the uh, <laughs> you know, it was not, oh, Niners, Raiders on New Year's Day. What a what a exciting clash of the number three versus number two quarterback uh, for those teams. Um, the couple guys that I thought had really good games, you mentioned McCaffrey and uh, what he did in this game. He only needs 297 yards this week to do a thousand thousand. And usually I'd say, yeah, that's, that's impossible. If it weren't for the fact that the Cardinals look like they they're going to get run over by, you know, the local pop Warner team, they have to have their golf clubs already packed and ready for Cancun. They, they just, they, the tiny bit that I've seen of that game on Sunday and through hard knocks, those guys have packed it in so hard that me, I, I hope not. Cause I hope, I hope the Niners get a lead and just cruise. Uh, but McCaffrey does have, you know, something to shoot for. Um, but Eric Armstead making a goal that goal line stand, tossing a 300-pound lineman as if, you know, he was a child and, and keeping the Raiders from scoring on that fourth and goal play was big. And it's it goes to things that we always hear the coaches talk about, and it never really flashed because he doesn't produce the sack numbers, but Armstead is so, so important on the inside for the Niners. Yeah, Colton Miller did not have a good game having <laughs> Armstead just ragdoll him in that instance. And then in the game, clinching turnover yes. where Bosa basically bull rushed him into Jarrett Stidham to force that interception. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, I guess for me, it's just disconcerting to to see a quarterback like Jarrett Stidham making his first start in however long to have his way with the Niner D. And I feel like this has been a broken record type thing, but week after week, the defense keeps allowing these receivers to run wide open. I mean, Darren Waller on his first touchdown, blown mm -hmm. coverage, uh, Devontae Adams on a number of occasions. I mean, I don't know how the heck do you leave number 17 uncovered yeah. ever. And to give up, 
And then you were mentioning with Stidham, he had over 300 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, I think in total, they gave up over 500 yards of offense to the Raiders. I mean, it was just mind-boggling. So I just hope Tomiko and his defense can figure it out, fix the things that need getting fixed. Otherwise, the playoffs might be a very short ride. Yeah, um, Vegas put up exactly 500 yards. I mean, and they they broke kind of those glass ceiling barriers that the Niners have put, been putting up, like not allowing a team to score in the final two minutes of a game or a half. Hadn't done it all season. And they marched down in the very end of the game uh, to, for a tying touchdown. Um, I don't think it was Diamador Lenore's greatest game. He seemed to be either the victim of some of those passes to Devonte or the recipient of kind of bad luck, be it the case in that very last, uh, the last catch of Devonte, the diving. I mean, it looked like, it looked like. It's a trap. It's a it trap. Looked like, it looked like Lenore <laughs> swatted away like three different times. And then yeah. it's still kind of like, you know, and then it still landed in a place that Devonte could get. Um, so I don't know. It's not going to go on his highlight reel for sure. Um, but then I see, you know, a stat. Yamdor Lenore has not given up a touchdown yet this season. So I think that speaks to D'Amico's just defense in general. It's like they go, they it's it's not quite bend but don't break, but it's like big play, big play. Uh, nope, stopped them. Goal line stand, stopped him at the two, forced a field goal, those types of things. So uh, even though Yamdor didn't have a good game, in context of the whole season, I still think he's playing well. And in the second half, when they did dial up some more pressure, uh, Stidham didn't have those the as much time to get the ball downfield. So that was that was at least good for the defense. Um, what else happened? I think you mentioned McCaffrey. I don't think anyone. I can't. If, if there's anyone out there who is still on the the overpaid in trade value for McCaffrey, I'm going to need you to raise your hand because there's <laughs> nobody out there now saying, well, I still don't, I still think they gave up too much to get this guy. So um, that was nice. Uh, and in the grand scheme of things, the Niners win coupled with Minnesota being shellacked puts the Niners at the number two seed and within, you know, shouting distance of the number one seed as Philadelphia also lost. We'll get to both of those games when we whip around the NFL, but the Niners have put themselves in a position that even the most diehard of fans probably had a hard time envisioning when this team was three and four. Yeah, and I know that at the end of the day, a win's a win, and there's no difference when it comes to winning for you. I know you've mentioned that many times, but you know, for me, I definitely feel that there are variations in how wins look and feel and while it was fun at the end of the day to be a, yet another team to come back on the Raiders and have them blow another 10-point lead, yeah, it, it was kind of a shitburger of a game for the nine, by the Niners' standards. So, yeah. um, But, I mean, I guess that's good from the standpoint that they were able to you know, get it out of their system and gut it out and still prevail despite not having their best stuff, as pitchers would say in baseball. Yeah. Yeah, you know, because the road to the championship won't always be smooth, and being able to win in different ways, I think, is important. And and just to finish up on Purdy, just a couple other notes that I saw or or noted was he he missed a couple passes that I think in the previous games he seemed to have hit. There was a play where 
he was rolling to his left and Tyler Croft was cutting across the middle and an easy throw to him. He was going to walk into the end zone and he tried to force it into Kittle, which I think was a theme this past week was him trying to get the ball to Kittle more so than I think it had been. I don't know if he just has developed so much cool chemistry with Kittle uh, over these past five weeks. He's like, I want to get this guy the ball, but he was forcing it to Kittle when a couple other guys may have been, been open. Um, I think Purdy's lack of arm strength was evident in that throw where he rolled again, rolled left and tried to throw the deep ball to Kittle. Uh, he just didn't have enough zip on it or he didn't get out in time, you know, to, to give uh, George a chance to either run under it or, or cut in front of uh, the defensive back to make it. Uh, and what else? There was one other thing. I think that might. Oh, and then it, late in the game, there was an uh, there was an almost interception, another pass over the middle that he just sailed by uh, the receiver that had the Raiders, you know, made the made the interception. And it would have been a very tough interception. Uh, the game could have definitely gone a different way. Uh, JP Mason, first touchdown of his career, that was big. Um, let's see what else. I was surprised Charvarius Ward didn't follow Devontae Adams like he did DK Metcalf a few weeks ago. I was surprised at that point because it was kind of out of character for the Niners to assign a guy to a receiver. But once they did, it's kind of like, okay, well, you're going to assign a receiver, your best defensive back. It might as well be Devontae Adams, but he didn't do that. So again, a little bit of a change up or a different philosophy from the defense. And uh, and you mentioned Ayuk. Yes, 44 yards from 1,000, which he's already got a career high in yards. 74 catches is also a career high, and he picked up another touchdown. Eight touchdowns this year, also a career high. So we mentioned last time there were high hopes for Brandon coming out of training camp. He's definitely lived up to those and, and put them on the stat sheet. So um, anything else? Oh, one more thing. Again, props to Niner fans for traveling. Now I'm sure you didn't have to twist. <laughs> you didn't have to twist a lot of arms to go to Las Vegas. Um, it's not, you know, you weren't sending them to Green Bay, uh, but going to Vegas for New Year's probably was a nice road trip. So all the red in the stadium was pretty impressive. But I also got to say, I, the the Raider fans who did show up, they were loud. I was surprised. At, there were times that with the amount of red in the stands that the Raider fans were still loud enough to at least make it mildly difficult. But I think both fan bases brought out their best for Sunday. I do credit the Raider fans for showing up because I'm sure in their mind, they were, they knew full well that it would there was a possibility for their team to get boat raced by yes. the Niners. But yep. yet they showed up to support their team. But like you said, major props to the Niner fans who made the trek to Vegas and to all of these cities on the road all season and making the, all these road games feel like home games for for our team, for the good guys. Because I know that after every one of these games, that's what they say. Like, this is amazing. It feels like a home game, just like this game that we just saw. And just going back to Ayuk, I, I, I don't know if you heard – Shanahan's latest comments about how, yes, he knows how Ayuk's put up all these numbers, but he also saw that he didn't, you know, it wasn't his best game. And I'm just like, I honestly don't understand why Shanahan feels the need 
to be extra tough on Ayuk. I mean, did he catch every pass thrown his way? No, but he caught nine of 12 for, you know, over a hundred yards in the tutty, which sounds like a pretty great stat line to me. And he fought off, you know, the defender to catch that duck at the end of the regulation that yep. would have set up the game winning field goal had Robbie gold not shanked it. Yep. So I'm yep. not sure if maybe it's because I don't know, maybe he, he wants Ayuk to be a better blocker. Cause I think he did miss a block that kind of messed up one of those runs but I don't know. He doesn't seem like some prima donna or anything. And his PFF grade was excellent. So again, I'm not sure why Kyle, why Kyle feels the need to always be on Ayuk's ass. But I don't know. I guess as long as Brandon's good with Kyle pushing him and there's no friction, then it's all good. But is that that? I think that was a little surprising to hear from Shanahan earlier today. Uh, yeah. For whatever reason, Kyle likes to give Ayuk tough love. But he he's not he is not a coddling guy. Maybe he learned that during the draft process when he was talking to Herm Edwards. You know, he, he said, "No, you can push this guy. This guy needs the kick in the butt that some players, you know, refuse to take. You know, he doesn't need to be, you know, loved and you're the best. He needs a kick in the butt, and that's going to get a chip on his shoulder, and he's going to produce because statistically, he's produced incredible this year. So if there's if there's blocking, if there's assignments that, you know, aren't quantified, uh, I'm, I'll let Kyle deal with that. But as long as as long as long he keeps producing touchdowns, I think all the fans are going to be A-OK with that. So um, as the game was playing out, the Packers were just beating down Kirk Cousins and the Vikings, uh, which has lined up a situation where if the Packers win – at home against the Lions, the Packers will be the number seven seed, setting up what inevitably could be Niners, Packers, number two seed versus seven seed. Um, only if the Seahawks lose, right? Because I think the Seahawks uh, are in the seventh seed. Uh, own, yes, but the Packers own the tiebreaker. So if both Seattle and Green Bay wins, Green Bay gets it. Huh. Interesting. So, yes. As of today, Seattle owns it because um, there's a conference record or, or some some other record. But if those two, if the Packers and uh, if the Packers and Seahawks end in a tie, uh, record wise, Green Bay gets the gets the spot. So Green Bay would be the seventh seed. So, huh. with that said, and and just to lay out the other two scenarios is if Seattle wins. And Detroit wins, Seattle gets the playoff spot because Seattle owns the tiebreaker over Detroit. And if Seattle loses and Detroit wins, Detroit is the number seven seed. So those are the three teams that the Niners could play. I would say the most, I don't know, probable statistically would be the Packers beating the Lions, thus getting that seven seed. So how does that make you feel? It's all good. We yeah. can beat them all. Yeah. Not only that, but I, I, you know, I was going to say that because there's still an opportunity for the Niners to be the one seed. That might yes. not even be an issue come the first week of the NFL playoffs. Yeah, very true. Um, so, okay, talk. Give me that. The and the way that that would happen would Philly would have to lose to the Giants. 
Philly needs to win to secure the number one seed and their bye. I haven't heard if Jalen Hurts is going to come back, but the Giants are locked into the number six seed. They can't go higher or lower. So does Brian Dayball take the chance to rest some of his starters before playing the Vikings again, which would in that first game, they just played last week and the Vikings came out ahead by a field goal on that 61 yarder. So do the Giants and Dayball take the chance to rest some starters, thus making it easier for Philadelphia to win that game, getting the number one seed? I'm going to say Vegas believes that because the Eagles are a 14 and a half point favorite over the Giants. And that, wow. I mean, they either know, they know, they have to know something because right now it's a Gardner Minshew led Eagles team and a Giants you know, playoff team. That shouldn't be a two touchdown difference. They, that is a huge, huge, huge line. Yeah. So again, that makes me think they know they've been told someone has indicated Dayball's rest in Saquon. He's rest in so-and-so. And because they're taking care of themselves, they, you know, they, they don't – it doesn't matter to them because they can't change their draft position. So, Philadelphia, I think Philadelphia is going to do it. Well, if the Giants rest all of their starters, yeah. I, I mean, Vegas – and I'm guessing Vegas must know something with that 14-point spread, yeah. which is somewhat surprising to me because Brian Dayball doesn't um, strike me as the kind of guy who would just – eat a loss especially because it's against a division rival like the philadelphia eagles and if they can knock them out of the number one seed i think he would want to do that but at the same time while i did take the giants i believe as my lock of the week last week so i all i did was sort of keep tabs on the score i didn't watch the game closely so um other than i saw the highlight of uh kevon thibodeau uh do his little no angel <laughs> celebration after sacking Foles, which ended up hurting him. And then it's just Saturday and everybody got all upset about it. But other than that, I don't really know a whole lot that happened. So maybe the giants are banged up, right? If Saquon Barkley's banged up or some of the other, other guys are banged up. I could see Dayball going conservative and I guess resting guys. So, but that would be unfortunate from the Niners standpoint because it would be nice to get that number one seed. Absolutely. So if if Vegas is right and Philadelphia gets that number one seed and Vegas is right and the Niners, I think, are like, I don't know, 10-point favorites or something over the Cardinals and David Blau. Um, so assuming the Niners win, Niners are number two. Again, I, maybe I'm the only one who is living in, you know, five, six, seven years ago, Aaron Rodgers scares me. But for as bad as his season has been and the Packers season has been and their offseason by losing Devontae has been and the fact that the Niners seem to dominate Rodgers every time they play in the playoffs, something just worries me that this guy has one more moment in him. And I don't know what it's going to be, but could it be – Coming to Levi's as the seventh seed and upsetting the Niners? God, I hope not. But it just scares me more having 
him on the other side than it would be Geno Smith, Jared Goff, you know, any any of the other what were possibilities. So, um, you know, that's understandable. Scared? It's understandable. I mean, it's still Aaron Rodgers, but this is Aaron Rodgers without Devontae Adams. I think that, for me, makes a huge difference. I get that some of these young receivers have stepped up. Christian Watson has certainly, um, you know, come to the fore as far as uh, being a go-to receiver for Aaron Rodgers and, you know, Aaron Jones and the combination of Aaron Jones and A.J. Um, AJ Dillon, yep. again, strong at running back. But I just feel like this is another – this is, uh, you know, just like 2019 where we saw this this type of Niner defense just absolutely destroy Aaron Rodgers, not once, but twice that season. Yeah. So yeah. I feel that it shouldn't be a whole lot different. And, again, that was with Devontae mm-hmm. Adams on his team. So without Devontae Adams, I just uh, – maybe maybe I'm a little too optimistic, you know, <laughs> now that I'm in my 2023 Jerry Sue optimistic mode, but uh-huh. that's just – that's just how I feel. All right. Well, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna hitch my wagon to your train then because I need you to bring that optimism, um, if that is how it 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 plays out. Uh, I just it, it, the odds are telling me that's how it's gonna play out. The football gods would seem to love. I mean, football gods, aka Roger Goodell, would love to see an Aaron Rodgers versus you know San Francisco wild card game. Uh, just like they would love to see, they're going to love seeing Cowboys at the Buccaneers and Tom Brady. So lots of things are lining up for, for them. And we, and we can talk about that later on, but since we're into it, whip around the NFL, what games did you enjoy? What games caught your eye? Apparently not the Giants, since you didn't pay much attention to the, the Giants game outside of Kayvon Thibodeau, which um, yeah, yeah. He got a lot of flack online for what he did. Um, I'm surprised that as angry as Jeff Saturday was the next day or after the game, he's an offensive line. He couldn't, he couldn't go over to his offensive lineman and just say, that's unacceptable. You know, code red, we're taking him out next series. Like, I mean, seriously, like it took him to the end of the game or the next day to, you know, talk about how his offensive lineman let him down. Now, maybe this is just Jeff Saturday's lack of head coaching ability. He just assumed that the offensive lineman would take it upon themselves to do it. And I don't know. But but that was interesting from uh, just a onlooker standpoint. And Jeff Saturday is not good. He's not – he's just not a good head coach. The way – Across the board, every statistical measure will tell you that they're being outcoached. They're being outcoached late in games. They're being outcoached at the end of halves. They're being outcoached from a time management standpoint. They, I know Foles went down and Ellinger goes in and outside of the San Francisco 49ers, when you're down to your third quarterback, it's usually a dire situation, but he's not good. No, but he did beat the Raiders. Well, I was just going to say, so <laughs> ipso facto, if Saturday is not good, what does that make Josh McDaniels? Because we've been saying for a few weeks now, is Josh McDaniels a good coach? Uh, I mean, 
another 10 point lead blown. Uh, it was just, I don't know. You can take Saturday, you can take Josh McDaniels, how you want to take any coach, go, go for it. So, no, I mean, I, I don't think J- uh, Josh McDaniels is a good head coach. I think a lot of people have come out of the woodworks saying as such. Um, but I think in the Niner game in particular, the fact that I don't know. We've been talking about how Jerry Stidham had such a prolific day as it was, but I think if they kept feeding Devontae Adams, kept feeding Darren Waller, who I think they started going away from later in the game, yeah, it could have been an even bigger game had they kept going after our secondary. So I don't know. I just, but yeah, I think overall the fact that there have been five teams this season to come back against the Raiders after they've had a 10 point lead in the game. I think that says it all as far as, Josh McDaniels as a head coach goes. Um, one thing I do want to mention because I totally forgot. I didn't even write it down, but it just popped into my head. As much flack as we've given him, Mike McGlinchey seemed to have a good game. His his name didn't get called for false starts or holding. He was going against Max Crosby a lot of the time. Uh, Max Crosby was someone who I was worried about. So – Uh, Kudos to Mike McGlinchey for, you know, basically, I guess when you're an offensive lineman and you keep your name off the stat sheet or out of the announcer's mouth, it usually means you're you're doing your job. So nice job, Mike. Um, Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, the guy who I usually give the most shit to, Mike McGlinchey, I didn't, you know, I I was never mad at him. So I'm guessing he must have had a good (laughs) game, right? And like you said, never never heard Mason, uh, not Mason, uh, Max Crosby's name being called so you know was huge and I know you know we talk a lot about Brock Purdy being so great for this offense but you know give credit to the whole O-line I think we may have talked about it in one of our previous episodes but you know it's a there's a position or that we were concerned about coming into the season but Jake Brendel's been more than adequate at center Spencer Burford has done well as a rookie after switching from tackle to guard and even Aaron Banks has played so well. I haven't even thought about Lakin Tomlinson. And in fact, I was really worried when he went down with that knee injury against yeah. the Raiders. But fortunately, you know, it doesn't seem that serious. And thankfully, we have Daniel Brunskill who was able to step right in without missing a beat. Yeah, um, I guess maybe we could have covered this in the Niner section. But uh, Banks went down with the injury. Brunskill comes in. It was initially thought that he had a sprained MCL. That's got to be the injury uh of the season it seems like what elijah mitchell's had two of them uh, a number of niners have have come up with that that injury but it seems to have, he uh, banks has avoided that but brunskill came in that and the one time brunskill got his name called it was because of that great block on the mccaffrey screen pass where he was he was getting out there and got enough of the block to spring mccaffrey so yeah i agree with you um that depth piece, that Brunskill depth piece uh, was pretty important. Um, it, last thing on the Colts. Now that you've seen Frank Wright for, you know, what what do you get? Nine games or something. And now you've seen Jeff Saturday. You, you got to look at how the two teams fared. And yes, the Colts did not look good under Frank Wright. They, they tied the Houston Texans on opening day. They lo- the next week they get shut out by the the Jaguars. But after that, they played fairly competitive games. Um, and outside of being crushed by the Patriots, which led to the firing, 
The losses the Colts have had with Jeff Saturday have been much worse. The historic blowing of the game against the Colts, the not being able to put up any points, the blowing of the uh, game uh, last week. Like, maybe maybe Frank Wright wasn't the problem. Uh, I think Frank Wright was still part of the problem. I mean, we I saw last year was, not. No, I'm, I'm not saying he wasn't. I'm not saying he was great. I'm just saying if that's the piece you thought was broken, it doesn't seem like that. Maybe there's bigger issues on this team. Well, I think the problem was hiring Jeff Saturday. Again, no offense, Jeff Saturday, but he just didn't have any experience. I mean, you see what's happening in Carolina where you have Steve Wilkes, who maybe not the best head coach either, but at least you can tell he's a guy who knows what he's doing. Absolutely. Agree. Other games, the uh, Cowboys beat the Titans on Thursday night football. The Titans continue to fall. They have continued their losing streak. Um, they play the Jacksonville Jaguars in week 18 uh, for the division. So winner take all. And Titans are boy, theme. Titans are down to their third quarterback as Josh Dobbs was uh, the starter this past week. Falcons, I, like I said, beat the Cardinals in a game that I saw the last three seconds when uh, Koo hit the field goal. So uh, another loss for the Cardinals, which, again, will make Hard Knocks somewhat uh, interesting to see how they react. One thing about Hard Knocks is, and this is why I have a problem with Cliff Kingsbury, he's, he's repeating he, – I can put his speech from four weeks ago on tape and just replay it every game. He just says the same thing. Guys, it was a tough game. Guys, I know you played hard. Guys, I know we're, we're going to figure out a way to get this done. Keep keep your head. He just says the same thing. And I don't know if you need, I don't know if you need a table flipper, but you need someone who approaches every game. Like your fifth loss in a row has got to be different than your second loss in a row. Like at some point you have to, challenge these guys challenge their manhood challenge their pride um to get something out of them you cannot have this long of a losing streak and just continue to roll out the same explanation and excuses and reasoning for oh we just didn't get it done today hmm. Which well, i don't know if it's... he'll be fired at the end I, I, he's got to be fired at the end of the year yeah, I, I I expect that the Arizona Cardinals will have a full turnover. I mean, I think Steve Kime is supposedly out with some health issues right now. Yep. Yep. I see them just cleaning house, get a new GM, get a new coach. Um, but at the end of the day, it's also about, I guess, you know, I think it's about talent. I mean, I don't. Maybe they just don't have enough. I don't know what else you're going to do because, I mean, wh- what if they put Mike Singletary as their coach for the last couple of games of the season? Would it have mattered that he would have dropped his pants and yelled and said, "I want winners"? I mean, I don't know if it would have changed the outcome for the Arizona Cardinals. I think they are what they are. You know, we we are what they thought they were. <laughs> so, well, okay, let me ask you this. Um, <clears throat> Have the Niners just broke the NFL because all these quarterbacks are on their third string quarterback, which used to be like the easy excuse of, well, of course we lost. Of course we're having a tough year. Or David Blau is our quarterback. We thought, you know, Kyler Murray was going to lead it, you know, but everyone, 
you know, well, the Niners are doing it. The Niners got Mr. Irrelevant, you know. Do, why can't we get a guy like that? Why can't we have a backup that's competent? So I don't know. If no, just- I'm not going to give the Niners credit because they did take him with the last pick of the draft. So it wasn't like, hey, we like this guy so much. We traded up to get him in the yeah. third round, CJ Beathard. Right. So, I mean, they've they've gone and done this this. Hey, we're just going to get a guy who Kyle likes mm-hmm. to be the backup yep. a number of times. It just so happens that Brock Purdy could I, be one in a million. Right. Finally one of worked. these. And, and but I will say the net, the Niners have put, potentially broken the NFL from the standpoint that every single team that plays them will never like they literally cannot win another game, the game that they play after. So by playing the Niners, they're guaranteed a two-game losing streak. <laughs> you, you, need, you need a bye. That that should be their request next year. Uh, can we have our bye after we play the Niners? I don't care what week it is. We just need that extra. We need that bye. Um, let me throw some other games. Let me know if you have any. Lions beat the Bears? Anything? The, oh, uh, this week you're saying? Oh, no, last week. No, no, last, yeah. last week. It, it, yeah, it, no, it, I mean, that, that was not surprising. That was not surprising. I mean, I, I was actually surprised. I think the Bears were in it early. I think weren't the Bears leading? I think 10-3 early on, but uh no, I'm not surprised with that. But I mean, talking about a team that should be packing it in already, that the Bears team would be one of those teams. And they did at the end of the second half because then they got blown out, I like, think 41 to 10. Yeah. Um, the only thing I, I think the uh, the Lions have got to be looked now. Granted, they've probably overachieved, so it's tough to look back at games and go, "Oh, we should have done this, we should have done that." But three point loss to Philly to open the season, four point loss to Minnesota, three point loss to Seattle, four point loss to Miami, three point loss to Buffalo. You flip any one of those games, and you're in control of your destiny. You're a win away from making the playoffs and not having to rely on someone else. So I think, you know, I think Lions fans got to be happy with their season, regardless of how it turns out. But, you know, they're looking at those past tough games where they were losing 38, 35 um, and wondering, boy, if we could, if we just did this. um, Yeah. And, and I know we've talked a lot about wanting, or at least I've said that I think Brock Purdy should be rookie of the year, but. If he doesn't win it, I think maybe Aiden Hutchinson should be rookie of the year, given the, the gaudy stats that he's put up so far yep. as a rookie defensive end for the Detroit Lions. Uh, Chiefs beat the Broncos. Move your needle. Uh, no, but the Broncos <laughs> again, once again, gave them you know all they could handle for some reason. I don't, I don't know why the Broncos played the Chiefs so tough. Gave the Niners <laughs> one of. Their losses, but yet can't beat anybody else. Yep. Uh, Patriots beat the Dolphins in um, probably the only – the Dolphins have to be the only – one of the most snake-bitten teams, especially at the quarterback position, as obviously Tua was out with another concussion. So in comes Teddy Bridgewater, who should have taken a page out of Tom Brady's book. Tom Brady has not made a tackle in his life. When he throws an interception, he runs the opposite direction. But oh, did he get hurt? Is that why Skylar Thompson? Yes, he tried to make he tried to make a tackle and got stiff armed oh. in the face, and his head went back. And that's all she wrote. In comes Skylar Thompson. So uh, the Dolphins, Dolphins fall and need a win to 
get into the playoffs. So, boy, eight and three, you were thinking this team, this team's a lock. Yeah. Five-game losing streak, and all of a sudden week week 18 for them is is meaningful. Yeah, all those concussions to Tua, I think, definitely derailed their season. Um, yeah, I think this the quarterback position derailed the Dolphins season for, you know, Mike McDaniel, as for our buddy Robert Sala of the Jets. Yeah, well, Jets, Jets go into Seattle, which I thought was going to be a more competitive game, especially with the Jets needing to win. They got Mike White, you know, who was magical for them a couple weeks ago, and they laid an egg. Yeah. Yeah. Surprising. But uh, just before we finish the our segment around the NFL, I just wanted to bring back what you mentioned at the top of the show. Um, just, you know, letting everybody know that our thoughts are obviously with Buffalo Bill safety, DeMar Hamlin, given what happened on Monday Night Football, him suffering the heart attack. Um, I was actually out running errands, uh, you know, picking up dinner for the family. So I didn't see the play unfold live on television. But when Todd texted me about it and then I heard that medical personnel were administering CPR, um, that's when I knew, man, this was serious. Not your typical run in the mill injury. And certainly a reminder that these guys on the field are human. You know, yes, they're amazing athletes. And yes, some of them make an obscene amount of money to live out a dream while playing a game. But again, at the end of the day, they're human. And I think it's easy for a lot of us to lose sight of that at times. Um, And I think this brought that back into perspective because, I mean, it was not only a scary event, obviously for fans, but I mean, especially for the players. I mean, I don't even know. I don't know if the NFL ever considered continuing the game, but I'm glad whoever was in charge came to their senses and just decided to suspend play because that was definitely the right thing to do. I can't imagine what the bills players were feeling or even the Bengals players were feeling at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's my understanding that T Higgins who was on the other end of the collision is actually friends with Hamlin because they've worked, worked out together in the off season, given the connection with Tyler Boyd who went wow. to pit along with Hamlin. So, you know, it's, it's got to be even more devastating for a guy like Higgins. Um, but since the incident, as you mentioned, players and fans have donated nearly, I think, $5 million, you said, to Hamlin's charity, which to me is amazing. Just to see the kind of support given w- you know, within the NFL circle. Uh, well said. Absolutely. It's, um, it provides a little bit of renewed faith in humanity when – when you see uh, you see everyone across the NFL, uh, and if you saw the you know over one hundred and sixty thousand donations have come in to over five million dollars, and you're talking about uh, you know players, you know play Trey Lance, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, all their names were on the donation sheet. So the Niners were well represented, but just so many fans just donating. 2550 the, the everything about the outcome from a how the fans reacted standpoint has been a positive and i hope teams fans are are recognized for that i think whoever made the call to cancel the game whether it be the players saying they weren't going to go out there whether it was the coach Zach uh Taylor and and um uh McDermott decided hey, we 
we can't move on. Uh, whoever it was made the right decision. And that was going to, that was a tough decision. That is a tough call as much as people wanted to make it an instant reaction call. You're talking about you know, billion dollar businesses and you can't make those snap decisions. So the fact that they got to the right call, uh, I also heard, you know, one of the reasons that they had to take some time was the exit protocol in terms of having security on site and police ready for 50,000 people exiting the stadium hadn't been put in place yet. Cause it was the start of the first quarter. You can't have, 50,000 people all trying to exit at the same time um, if you're not ready for it. So uh, whatever whatever it was, I'm, I'm glad they got it done. Taking it from a football perspective now, the game has been um, – it's not going to be replayed this week, and there hasn't been a, an update as to what it's going to be from a football standpoint. Now, again, all this is you know secondary to DeMar's health, but – if you're Roger Goodell, what are what are you thinking? There are there are do we just call this a no contest and move on to week 18 and the Bills and the Bengals will just have, you know, they'll have a essentially a 16 game schedule. Everyone else will have a 17. You simply go by winning percentages for for the seedings. Both these teams are in the playoffs. Uh so and neither this game was not going to knock anyone in or out. This was proceeding. So that that happens. Um, there was a I heard Brent Jones on the on the radio today talk about he heard that there's discussion of bumping everything back a week and playing having the Bills play the Bengals this weekend as a standalone game. Week 18 then would progress and so on down the line. And then crunching the championship games and the Super Bowl down to one week opposed to the standard two weeks. Um, so what are the what what is none of these are look, I don't think any of these are gonna be perfect because somebody will get a partial short end of the stick, I guess you could say, because as it if you call this a no contest, the Chiefs get the number one seed with a win over the Raiders. So you know, they they get something that they kind of weren't in line for. Uh, the the Bengals win the, the AFC uh, North by calling this a no contest and getting a win this coming weekend, or or they get the they get the um, the title with before week eighteen. So, what are the things that have to go into this from a football standpoint? What would you like to see done? Yeah, I mean, there's no perfect scenario. Yeah. Um, I mean, I wish they could just move forward without having to continue playing that Bills Bengals game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm guessing they're gonna fit it in somehow um, because there are, I think, some playoff ramifications as you mentioned. Um, and I've heard a few different options proposed on how to reschedule everything. So I'm guessing they're they'll have that Bills Bengals game during a reconfigured postseason where the NFC Wild Card games would be played along with the Bills, this Bills-Bengals game that week or weekend. Uh-huh. And then the next weekend, the a- they'll do the AFC wildcard games. And then the rest and then the and and then the rest of the playoffs would unfold thereafter. But as you mentioned, without the bye week between mm-hmm. the conference championships and the Super Bowl. That'd be interesting. Um 
yeah, that that would be that would be an interesting uh, thought. Um, so we'll we'll see how all that that shakes out. Uh, flipping over just to the Niner portion of the playoffs, they're going to be playing Sunday at home against the Cardinals. If they win, they get the number two seed, which means a home game against the number seven seed. Most likely, the Packers. That game could be Saturday, could be Sunday, it could even be Monday night as things shape up now. I hope that the draw of the Niners-Packers would be better suited for a Sunday afternoon or Sunday night game, keeping schedules as relaxed and easy and on schedule as possible. I think that Monday, if you get that Monday playoff game, now you're playing at home, but if you win that game, you're going to have to go on the road, um, possibly, uh, like if if you're the Packers. But you're just losing a day of prep for the second round of the playoffs, and I think that's going to be tough. Um, And Saturday means you have one less day of prep for the wild card game. So, again, you start getting into the minutia of playoffs and TV, what what does NBC want? What does Sunday Night Football want? What does Fox want? Um, I hope they, I hope they, you know, I hope for the Niners' sake they get as normal a process as possible. There were only a couple, a couple other games that were on the uh, on the docket, and the only one that um, I wanted to mention. Uh, was probably the worst of the games, and that was the Browns beat the Commanders. Carson, Carson Wentz, no touchdown, three picks. But the big news came before the game. Did you see it? Uh, are you talking about the, their new mascot? or their? Yes, I'm talking about Major <laughs> Tutty. Major Tutty, the new Washington Commander mascot, who is a – is a – Caricature essentially of Porky Pig, while they try to, they're trying to incorporate their glory days of the Hogs uh, with their new Commander's name. This organization continues to just fail around every turn. Not even on the football. I mean, on the football field, they're they're failing for all different reasons, but. We talked about the Sean Taylor incident about how they couldn't even get the right uniform on him. We talked now. Now they got Major Tutty in the offseason. It was just, you know, what was their team name going to be? Now Snyder's considering a sale. I'm sure. I'm sure the NFL can't get him out of there soon enough because this organization has just been uh, just an utter disaster for so long. But I think the lasting impression is going to be Major Tutty. Now whether he sticks around for the long term. Like the Philly fanatic, we'll see. Or if he goes the way of what was that? What was the crazy crab? Wasn't the, uh-huh, the, the crazy crab the Giants? San Francisco, San Francisco Giants mascot for a season or two was the crazy yeah. crab, and that that didn't go well with fans. So yeah, we'll see which way Major Tutty uh, goes. So that was the yeah. Idea. I was I was stunned that they turned to Carson Wentz. I know that they put Wentz in mop-up duty against the Niners, but I thought that's what it was going to be. Ultimately, that Taylor Heineke would be reinserted as a starting quarterback with their playoff hopes still, you know, hanging there in the balance, and they play for Heineke. Heineke's, you know, he's a gutty player that I feel like would have 
made more sense to be the starting quarterback. It really shocked me that Ron Rivera moved off of Heineke and went back to Wentz. And unfortunately that, as we all seen was a bad decision, just like major Tutty seems like not a great decision. (laughs) And at the end of the day, when Daniel Snyder sells the team, my guess is that they are probably going to change the name of the team and just revamp this whole thing. And whoever new owner is, is going to just kind of try to right the ship in his own own way. Because like you said, it's, it's been a debacle. Yeah. Um, and, and okay, you tell me, uh, did you see Ron Rivera's post-game press conference? By any chance? I didn't see it, but did he mention something like how he was surprised? Like he didn't realize that there were, that, that he was eliminated. Yes, he did not. That's, he, that's awful. He didn't how, know how he was he, eliminated. They, he, you know, he talked about, he was talking about, you know, they asked him about the quarterback situation and he said, oh, well, we'll have to see, you know, we'll see going into next week. And what the what the situation is and one of the reporters said well you're eliminated (laughs) you know or or if the Packers win and at that point they were up like 41 to 10 or so like if the Packers win you're eliminated and he's like we're eliminated like he he had no clue so I don't know what do you expect of your head should your should your head coach know that or is should your head coach is like Hey, I'm I'm a week to week guy. Like I'll figure out what next week is after this week. Like, no, your head coach should know. You sh- your head coach should know. Coach should know. I mean, granted, I get it. They're they're just you know up to their eyeballs in their own the oh, the minutia of their own team situation. And I'm sure I'm hoping at least that he made the decision to go to Carson Wentz because he truly believed that Wentz gave him the best chance to win, Absolutely. not because he's like well. We'll still have another week to figure it out. Let's just throw Wentz in there to see if he could stir the pot a little and maybe give the team an extra spark. No, should have stuck with Taylor Heineke. I yeah, I don't know what Riverboat Ron was was gambling on this time. Um. So yeah. So that that was interesting and unfortunate. I like I like Ron Rivera. I think he's a good coach, and I think I think he has been put into a. Uh, a terrible situation trying to be the face of that franchise. It's, again, so I'm sure he had nothing to do with Major Tutty, but no, I'm sure he had nothing to do. With but Major the fact Tutty. that he's got to answer questions or he's got to see that and goes like, you're just piling on more things that I don't want to or have to deal with. And that is your ineptitude in terms of picking a mascot. So, um, yeah. So we'll see. Who knows? That, that, whether there's a whether their sale goes through or a sale goes through soon or in the off season, um, the Commanders are another team that very well may be in the market for a head coach, a GM, a new starting quarterback. So um, around the NFL, I don't know if you saw the news, Jim Harbaugh would accept a head coaching position with the Denver Broncos if offered. That's the you know. That's the anonymous source from Harbaugh's camp. So, one, is that a good place for Jim Harbaugh? And two, do you believe it could happen? I believe Jim Harbaugh wants to get back in the NFL, yes. I don't know if Denver is the place that he would would be at the top of his list. I haven't, I haven't really gotten my head around what job openings there will be um ultimately but yeah i think if that's the best 
job that he gets offered, I could see him going. Well, this of the three that we know about, Colts, Panthers, Broncos, are any of those more or less desirable if you were a head coaching candidate? I would say the Panthers would probably be number one. Um, just because <laughs> yeah. it seems like they have a good young nucleus starting to build there. Um, not sure if you would say Sam Darnold is their quarterback of the future or not. Probably not. But um, but then you also look at the rest of the division, and the rest of the division isn't super competitive, particularly assuming that Tom Brady will most likely be departing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers mm-hmm. after the season. Um, whereas, you know, going to the Denver Broncos, you're going to be going up against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and Justin Herbert and the Chargers. And I, and you, I don't even know what to think of Russell Wilson right now. I don't, I don't know if he's completely washed or if you put in a different coach and somehow at least, you know, he, he'll be relatively decent. Um, but still having to overcome those other two teams, I think, I would think going to the Denver Broncos is probably not ideal. And I would say as far as the Indianapolis Colts is concerned, I don't know. That owner, I don't know if I'd want to coach for that owner. I mean, a guy who in mid, mid-season decides to fire his head coach and hire Jeff Saturday, I would, I would not feel confident working for a guy like that. Although, I don't know. Again, I, I would – you know, Chris Ballard was supposed to be a really good GM, but right now – that team, I don't know if it's just because of Jeff Saturday, but again, now you have Jeff Saturday, you have Frank Reich. I mean, a team is just kind of falling apart. And now whether any of this figures into Jim Harbaugh's thought process is, well, he played for the Colts. So he did have, you know, some relationship with Ursay. So there, there's a little bit of that. Captain um, Comeback. Captain Comeback. Uh, the, the Broncos don't have – their first round draft pick, obviously, because of the trade for for uh, Russell Wilson, as and that sits at number three right now. So I don't know. That's looking like a major mistake. Um, the Panthers are sitting there with an owner who I don't know. I guess he's now the second richest owner now that the Waltons, you know, bought the Broncos. But you got an owner who's willing to write big paychecks. You have a team that. Steve Wilkes has proven isn't completely bereft of talent, that they have some pieces. And I think you hit it right on the head. The NFC South is a division that if any of those teams get competent quickly can win that division. Because even with Tom Brady, a more competent team could have easily won that division as the Bucs are going to eke their way in at what, eight and nine or nine and eight. Um, so I think the Panthers are going to be a somewhat desirable destination. You got money, you got top 10 draft pick, and you got a division that you can win. Um, and, and, the, and one of the things about the Broncos, which I don't think is a great situation, is um, Penner, who is the son-in-law of Rob Walton, I believe. Uh, he's the – now – Granted, he's a billionaire in his own right. He His background is in finance. He Had he not married a Walton, he would have been just fine. <laughs> but, you know, marrying a Walton, you know, gives you some 
uh, a lot more to play with in terms of finances. He came out and said the coach is going to report to him and his title is CEO. So do you want now maybe this is just all in a slow play of yeah, I can't tell George Patton that he's fired yet. I got to wait until Black Monday to do that, but if you're saying that the coach is going to be reporting to me, doesn't that basically neuter the GM in terms of what he can do? I mean, he just becomes your top scout, basically. I'm going to scout players and put grades on them, but I'm really not going to have much pull if I know that the coach is can do whatever he wants and can go to the owner you know, whenever he wants to and needs to. Unless this guy Penner fashions himself as the new Jerry Jones. <sighs> maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, we'll see. Um, we both hit the winner last week on our lock of the week. Um, it shouldn't be such a surprise, but after this this uh, year it has been. I took the Lions. You took the Giants. Two W's. We're going into week 18. Um, let me just count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Uh, so you are 10 and 7 uh, with your picks. So you're looking to get lucky number 11. Have you thought about your lock of the week? So I didn't think it'd be possible for Mike Tomlin to finish the season with a record over 500, you know, given yeah. – their quarterback situation, how banged up the defense was without TJ Watt. But Tomlin's kept the team together, playing hard, making it work with the rookie signal caller, Kenny Pickett. So if the Steelers are still available for me to select, my final pick of the week would be the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers are open on your board, so you'll take them. Um That is um, a good pick. I like that pick because I am, I'm right with you. Last week when we talked about coach of the year candidates, Tomlin slowly, sneakily has crept in there, and now you're telling me he's going to go nine and eight. Um, and and if he wins and and the Dolphins, I think if the Dolphins and and uh, Patriots lose with the Patriots playing the Bills, very possible. Um, Dolphins on their losing streak. Uh, they're playing the Jets, so that's a flip of the coin. The the Steelers could very well squeak into that number seven seed. So two months ago, you're telling me that the three-win Steelers and the four-win Packers are going to both go on huge runs to make the playoffs. Uh, I would have put a lot of money against that. So um, I'm going to take the Seattle Seahawks, not because I think the Seattle Seahawks are good are, – uh, going to dominate um you want to jinx them uh no not that i want to jinx them um (laughs) i will say i'm sitting at 11 wins so a win this week would give me the one at least one game advantage of you but the the seahawks have something to play for um if they win um they'll need the packers to lose and then they're in the playoffs so they'll have something to play for sunday afternoon and i think the rams are really bad (laughs) So uh, that's definitely uh, in my thought process. So I'm going to take the Seattle Seahawks as my uh, lock slash fade of the week. (laughs) Um, 
we didn't get a chance to talk about the Cardinals too much. And I think for me, that's just because I don't know who this team is. I don't know. I don't know. We mentioned it earlier. I don't know if this team is going to come in with any pride to even try. I don't know if Cliff Kingsbury is going to, you know, be updating the resume before or after the game. Uh, I know, you know, JJ Watt may come in and, and try and do everything possible for him in, in his last NFL game. But you talk that you're talking about David Blau, uh, possibly quarterbacking if Colt McCoy can't come out of concussion protocol and Trace McSorley was awful two weeks ago. So I don't know. I don't know what to think of this game outside of if the Niners get a 10 point lead, it's the, the Cardinals got to pack it up and just, you know, try and run out the clock at that point and get on onto vacation. It's been a disastrous season for them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, hopefully the Niners got the letdown bug out of their system because on paper, the Niners should run the Cardinals out of the building. Um, you know, supposed to rain the rest of the week in the Bay area and on yep. Sunday as well. So it could turn into another slop fest, which maybe it's appropriate to bookend the season ender <laughs> with a wet one, another wet one, but this time call. they, should be ready for it. Uh, but like you said, you know, get a lead. And then I'd love to see J.P. Mason and Ty Davis-Price just take over the game on the ground. Let McCaffrey and some of the other starters rest a bit and send J.J. Watt on his way to retirement. Unless, you know, he reconsiders and signs with the Niners in the offseason, of course. And from a scheduling standpoint, Philadelphia is playing at 125 as the Niners are as well. So it's not as if the Niners will know before the game starts if they even have a shot at the number one seed, they're going to have to play the game to win the game. Um, if they think they have a shot at the number one seed, the Vikings, however, play early. Uh, they'll play the bears early in the day. So they'll at least know if they are locked into number two with a shot at number one or have to win just to maintain number two. So uh, the way the NFL schedules these games with all the, most of the relevant teams playing at the same time. So you can't just rest everybody if something happens. Um, the Niners are going to at least have to come out in the first half and and play and work to get that win and see what happens with Philadelphia. I'm sure they'll be keeping an eye on the scoreboard at least a little bit uh, to see in that second half. Hey, we're up by we're up by 21. Eagles are pounding the the hapless Giants because they're resting everybody. Let's rest. Let's Let's go into coast mode and, and just get this game over with. So with that said, uh, Jerry, your final thoughts. So before jumping on here to record this podcast, I actually went to the grocery store. But then as I got out of my car, my lower back suddenly went into spasms <laughs> accompanied with like sciatica that radiated down my left leg. So I wasn't even actually sure if I was going to be able to make it home in time to do the podcast because I think that was the most painful twinge in that region that I've ever felt. But I did get back three Advils later. I think I'm okay. But I just wanted to say that as my final thought, getting old sucks. And that's it. Period. <laughs> uh, that should be a bumper sticker. Um, my final thought, um, 
it was going to go a number of ways. Uh, obviously, we are all, you know, looking forward to positive news coming out of Cincinnati uh, and Demar. Uh, I did enjoy seeing all of the um, all the teams' social media accounts change their avatar to the number three with the Bills' colors. Uh, so again, a sign of unity across the NFL. Um, mostly, I wanted to kind of jump from a jump off from my final thought last week, which was talking and encouraging everyone to make their new year's resolutions and, and be positive, make a difference, do something. I had to adjust mine ever so slightly because as we hosted a new year's gathering and there was all this food, which was left over into the first and now into January 2nd type of thing, I realized these, this new year's resolution, I don't want to be lazy about it, but I also don't want to be wasteful for all the prime rib and food that was brought for New Year's Day. So as I consume this, I'm still counting this as 2022 since that's when it started uh, these meals. So my New Year's resolutions will be picking up on Wednesday um, as, as it's just it was impossible to look at the amount of food that was at my house and think this has to be tossed away. So. I, don't, I didn't want to be wasteful. So my New Year's resolutions, um, like many people, I'm sure will be to eat better, get in better shape, get some exercise, uh, exercise the mind, read a book. All of that starts on Wednesday. So, and if it needs to carry over till January 3rd, 2024, so be it. <laughs> so be it. I'm getting to giving myself that three-day grace period. So. With that said, Jerry, we are we've come to the last week of the NFL season. Uh, on a positive note, it's not the end of the 49ers season. We will have playoff football coming uh, the following week. We next next week when we record, we'll put a bow on the 49ers season. Uh, we'll also take a look back at our preseason predictions to see uh, where we hit the nail on the head, where we really blew it. Um, We'll also preview the playoffs. We'll have a better idea of if the Niners and Aaron Rodgers are getting together for another uh, showdown in the playoffs. Uh, but really, it's going to be – it's been an exciting, completely off-the-rails season for the Niners. You could have never predicted or even if you told me what was going to happen, I wouldn't have believed the trail that this team has has gone from, like you mentioned – the quagmire of Chicago, starting with Trey Lance and losing that game, um, when at that point this team had Super Bowl aspirations to seven weeks later, they're three and four, and <laughs> the only thing that could help them was the magical elixir of playing the Los Angeles Rams, which springboarded them along with a trade for Christian McCaffrey, moving on to Brock Purdy, and a current nine-game winning streak. So been a year that's going to continue into the playoffs um i'm excited i think niner fans are excited i think the nfl should be you know thanking their lucky stars that so many of their so-called blue blood teams the niners probably the packers possibly the steelers the cowboys tom brady and in, in himself um the giants um are all making an appearance in the uh in the playoffs you know not to mention your Patrick Mahomes, your Josh Allen, so the and Justin Herbert for the first time. So the NFL playoffs are going to be star-studded, and I'm looking forward to them. So for Jerry, I'm Todd. 
Thanks for listening to our episode of the Niner Guys. We look forward to talking to you next week in the final, uh, wrapping up the final week of the season and turning our spectacles to the playoffs. So, good night.